Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Wise Content Creates Wealth. You've heard that content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. This podcast is about understanding how you can make and utilize wise content to improve your financial success and your company's bottom line. I am your host, Joseph Franklin McElroy, and I am a marketing technology expert who has built a multi-million dollar company. I'm also an award-winning content producer. So be sure to go to wisecontentcreateswealth.com to sign up for my newsletter and get access to resources to help you, pr- you produce wise content. Now, um, that site is under development, so you might see some uh, things that, uh, at this point that need to be uh, updated. So if you have a problem, go to facebook.com slash wise wealth, wise content creates wealth. Anyway, uh, my main company is Galileo Tech Media, and it's a leader in SEO and inbound marketing. We're specialists in wise content, which is content that incorporates semantic science, behavioral science, artificial intelligence, and data to make marketing content that is smart and that performs better. Um, My tool tip of the day for all you people out there is to, and it's sort of a basic one, but I want to make sure that you do it, is to make sure that you install Search Console on your websites. Uh, so it's a tool from Google. It's free, but it's pretty cr- critical in terms of ana- just doing basic analysis of how your content is performing on your website. You can do things like uh, go in there, find out what are the high perform- high um, high uh, pages with high click through rate that Google perceives as being very important, and even have good um, you know um, performance on your. Um, on your um, on your um, on the page metrics, but it's not actually uh, converting very well for what you wanted to convert for. And those pages are the most are the most important to go in and optimize, to change, to fix, uh, because if they're getting great quick quick click through rates and they're having good performance in per- terms of people there, but things are not happening, those are where you're going to make some immediate cash. You're going to make some immediate money. So you want to go into Search Console and do that sort of thing. Now, to find out this kind of a little bit about this kind of information, I did a webinar a couple weeks ago called SEO for your product pages. And I did record it and it's up on YouTube. And if you do a search for SEO for product pages webinar Galileo, it'll come up number one and you can click on it to get to it. It's also uh, available on uh, the GalileoTechMedia.com website at uh, slash web, webinar dash sign up. And of course, I've got it right now up on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Wise Content Creates Wealth. So that is a tool tip. I'm going to try to give you some interesting tools every week. Um, but today's agenda is content strategy as uh, ROI, I wanted to say SEO. I'm so used to saying that three-letter acronym, but I, no, it's ROI, return on investment and, and modeling. And um, with me, I have a perfect person to talk about that sort of thing. His name is Keith Reynolds. Um, and he is the founder of Publio, uh, which is P-U-B-L-I dot I-O, which has a content strategy training and a media uh, as its primary focus. 
Um, he developed the Publishers MNO, which we'll talk about a little bit later, a unique contact strategy and development methodology that empowers teams to ensure, achieve their business goals. He has worked with category leaders, including Apple, IBM, institutional investors, media software, Kodak, Rainbow Sports, and Vodafone. He's founded other tar- startups and over 30 years Campaigns he has led has generated tens of thousands of leads, put hundreds of millions of dollars into his clients' pipelines, and has and he's helped and has helped them raise uh, capital. Keith is a prolific speaker. He speaks to groups and he presents across a variety of media, and moderates and, peer, and peers as a guest on many panels, podcasts, and webinars. Um, he sort, serves on the board of the Stanford Symphony. And, and, and uh, the Stanford Partnership, where he's, where he's on the Stanford Innovation Week Committee. He has a book called The New Content Culture that we'll talk about a little bit later that it, as well, that is all about defining your content strategy, ROI model. Howdy, Keith. Hey, how are you? Hi. Nice to see you, Jason. It's nice to see you as well. Uh, Keith and I used to work together uh, back in the day, uh, back in the day being a couple of years ago. <laughs> But uh, uh, just uh, just uh, in this podcast, it brings people together in the and uh, as their, their their paths converge back together for a time. So uh, um, things are going well for you. How's how's uh, how's the doing speaking and moderating doing for you in this pandemic world? It's been good. I've gotten uh, very very involved this past uh, couple of years with Stanford Innovation Week, and we produced about twenty five hours of programming. Uh, since March, since the pandemic, and really uh, had amazing people from all over the world. Um, you know, the, our, our area has a huge network uh, that's not only local, but global. And we've been able to interview people about what they're doing uh, to innovate during the pandemic. It's created some really interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. I imagine uh, one of the biggest innovations for everybody is how do you network and interact with people when you have to maintain lots of distance, right? And I mean, I'm both you and I really built our businesses on who we could meet and and, uh, and mingle with and talk to and do the networking thing. So for us, it's, uh, I think, a whole reinvention at a, you know, at, uh, at the mid-career, shall we say, of how we do things. So are you feeling the pressure of that? I've actually uh, found... Well, so, you know, just to point to where we started, um, you and I met through the New York Inbound Marketing Professionals, which you founded. Yeah. And uh, I worked with you on that for probably, what, two or three years? Yeah. And uh, we, were, we had a, a great uh, synergy in doing that. And we drew people, we'd, we'd fill a room with uh, 30 to 50 people once a month. And uh, our, our focus was on getting great people to come and talk to the group. And we, we got a reputation for good programming together. And um, I found that the same formula works uh, going digital mm-hmm. uh, and there's new platforms. Um, you know, you can, you can be in a networking group that has a Slack channel. It's very narrow cast and you can use mediums like, like this, which you've invited me uh, on to be part of one of your, your first shows here with, with uh, wise content creates wealth. And all of those, you know, digital um, kinds of activities replicate what we were doing at uh, a physical location down in Manhattan five years ago. <laughs> 
So um, I want to dig into your past just a little bit before we get to the current world, right? Sure. Uh, and I think it's interesting that you both worked for IBM and Apple. And, and how do you, how, how is those experiences different for you, right? Especially as it relates to how they communicated there, how they worked with content. Um, well, the IBM was uh, an introduction to my whole uh, career in technology. And uh, we were using, you know, back then, digital communications was learning how to get a, a laser printer working. Uh, and when it wasn't compatible, you had to dive into the code that the computer sent to the printer and, and debug it. You know, that was digital communications and troubleshooting. And, um, you know, I worked for Apple. It was 20 years later. And so the technology had obviously changed. But I would say a similarity uh, is that you know, to learn to operate at scale and to be able to leverage your resources uh, to achieve large scale things. Um, with a small group of people. And that was common in both situations. Um, the culture was in both cases um, different in many ways, uh, but also in both cases, very focused on, on goal achievement and following uh, your metrics and understanding, you know, what are the key drivers of performance within any group and then working as a team to, uh, to constantly improve. And that mentality uh, span both organizations and really this uh, the book that you mentioned the new content culture uh, speaks to how to develop a, a digital strategy for content but also how to work with your team so that you have sustainable results and okay. that's really what I've tried to do with my new endeavor cool well you know the thing that I'm uh, big in right now is the dig is demand generation right and I look at content as a critical part of that. And you, you have a lot of experience over the years that you said you generated thousands of leads and demand generation. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were an early leader. What is that early leader? What did you do? And how was uh, that related to what we do today? Uh, well, over, let's see, I wrote my first website in 1995 and uh, always got involved in not just the production of the website, but how does it integrate into what the organization's trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And so that would quickly lead you into the marketing planning aspect of, of a website. And uh, in the year uh, 2010, a blog I had been working on for a startup and we'd gone through the financial crisis, uh, raising money was, had, had slowed to a trickle. Um, and we had a Homeland Security product and I just started blogging. I taught myself WordPress and within 10 months, I was asked to testify to Congress. And that in turn led us down to, uh, you know, the belly button of the beast in Washington, D.C. And they, we had a great meeting uh, and they referred us out to Sandia National Laboratory. And we had our, our uh, software and, and hardware solution tested uh, and, and evaluated out in New Mexico. And Let me that... Well, let me, uh, let me, uh, we'll come back. To, I want to come back to that. We, get, we have to take a break sure. right now, but let's finish that. Uh, that's an interesting story, the congressional. You got it. Justify when we come back. Hey, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast with my guest, 
Keith Reynolds. Uh, hi, Keith. So you were talking about testifying before Congress. Now, to me, and you mentioned it was a content sort of led there. And, you know, a big event like that is, I think, um, is like a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a premier wise content event. I was talking to Jerry Ashton in my first show and his, he had a book that led to uh, a, a, a mention on John Oliver's HBO show that led to eventually a huge donation to their nonprofit. So, you know, those kind of stories I think are important to emphasize that wise content can lead, you know, from a well-crafted beginning to an exciting middle that then produces the end results of, of a success. So give me a little bit more juice, a little bit more details about this congressional testimony, testimony uh, and how that happened. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I got involved with a group of uh, scientists and engineers um, in around 2007, and we started experimenting with different ways we could uh, identify radi radioactive materials um, out on a network. And there was a huge revolution in security going on at the time, away from analog uh, networks where sensors and security equipment was hooked up uh, on, a, on copper wires uh, to Ethernet and having a, a digital um, security practices. And it, it allowed you to fuse lots of different kinds of data together. And so we started hooking up radiation sensors to the internet and, um, and we were working with hospitals. Uh, we originally went into hospitals thinking we help keep the radiological materials they had in, in the hospital from leaving. And we found out that the customers told us, no, actually doctors and nurses were very worried about somebody arriving at a hospital and if they were hot. And so we installed a radiation sensor at the emergency entrance of Washington Hospital um, and so we were talking about that and all of the ways that people were losing um, uh, custody of radiological materials at construction sites and gas pipelines. And that, you know, somebody found us on the Internet from Google is, you know, I love your idea of wise content because it's the data about your content that Google links into. And somebody was able to find us and said, we'd like you to testify to Congress. So. So that what is that what did they just did they just they, did they just invite you and then you just show up and then you don't have any idea what they're going to ask you or did you have an idea what they're going to ask you or it was it, uh, I had a conversation with him and um, there were there were um, several inputs that we had and then it was written testimony that was submitted I didn't get to go sit up and you know swear in or anything like uh. that. Um, but it was written testimony and um, uh, that, you know, again, it was the relationship. So I, one of the things that I focus on, I'm, I'm more of a marketer than a technologist. And I, what I love about working with you is we, we have two very unique perspectives at this, but it's about the relationships, right? So you, you, you get someone to read your content. They invite you to do something. You go down, you meet people. Then they say, well, you need to talk to so-and-so, right? And that is really guided. It's, it's the, you know, the, the subject of my book, it's the whole idea of, of inbound marketing. It's yeah. what do you do next? And what do you do next? And what do you do next? And as a marketer, you got to plan all that stuff out. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's a great story because, you know, the, the written, te the written testimony is probably somewhere that somebody might eventually see it's an important piece of the historical document. And there you are in it. And it's something that you can use then in your, 
materials and your sales pitches for the rest of your life, right? So that's a kind of uh, a blog led to uh, that 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 piece of extreme wise content that gives you credibility for now and forevermore, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know it got there because you put your thoughts and and, and content out there uh, in a way that had never really existed before, right? And uh, before then, and uh, I think that's a fantastic story, and that. Um, eventually led to something called chief packaging officer. I think that's where we started having some interactions. Right. Tell me all, tell that story. That's a pretty interesting one. Well, that was really cool. So there's a startup uh, called design to launch in Stanford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, several people I knew were working there and I had, you know, had the, the um, security experience. And then I was working with a, 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 a HubSpot agency, and we proposed to build a magazine for them called Chief Packaging Officer. Now, Kodak was just coming out of bankruptcy at the time, right? They had not done any marketing for two years, and they had a acquired this startup called Design to Launch in Stanford. They kept the offices there, so they had a lot of latitude to develop a marketing program outside the reaches of, of headquarters marketing up in Rochester. So, uh, one of the other people on the project came up with the idea or the concept of chief packaging officer as a name. And then I uh, did the, the strategy and, and uh, account management, uh, account lead from the agency perspective and worked with the client. And we published a, a, a legit packaging industry trade magazine. We had uh, about 40 pieces of content a month. Um, it was a program that we we're able to execute month in, month out. We formalized each of the different elements. So there was uh, news curation. There was a, a couple feature articles. There was usually an executive interview. Um, so that we just put on repeat every month. And that, uh, that body of content, what we learned is when you publish, you attract. And the more you publish, the more leads you get. And so if you model out a sales funnel from traffic to leads to sales uh, to opportunities to sales, you can uh, model out the, the sales funnel and figure out how big an audience do you need in order to get the number of leads that, and sales that you want out of the funnel. And uh, so yeah. we, we use that. I think it's, um, I think that, you know, people, and especially in the B2B space, don't realize how powerful uh, what we call a content hub. It's a, a, a journalistic quality content organized around a topical center, right? Uh, and in this case, you, you created a branded content hub, uh, essentially a magazine online for a B2B company. Uh, you know, it's a powerful mechanism for B2B uh, lead gen and, and awareness building um, because it gets great SEO, plus it gets... Uh, industry recognition and it'd be, you get thought leadership. So I, I thought that was, you know, that's like a, a great example of an early uh, branded content hub, you know, that we both ended up getting into quite a different ways. I'm from an SEO perspective. You were from a demand generation perspective. Um, you know, that, um, that, uh, that is great. Yeah. You know, um, do you, do you often, you know, the thing that everybody focuses on is a quite a bit is, is that content hubs, are written, uh, but I think you have experience with other types of content hubs, right? Besides Absolutely. So, 
we worked uh, on a project together um, and we produced a, a content hub that had uh, at launch 60 pieces of content right out of the gate. And uh, we added to that uh, at launch uh, for about a month and a half. And at the um, six weeks into a soft launch of the content hub, we put on a webinar. And the thing about a content hub is you got to distribute as well. You need to get uh, the word out there. So when we did the webinar, we advertised it on LinkedIn. We had search advertising um, and we paid for talent. We didn't get the VP of engineering. We actually got industry thought leaders to participate on the webinar. And that was our, our hard launch of the content hub. So we actually brought in 300 leads to the company at the launch of the, of the content hub with, with a webinar. And, uh, the, you know, it's really important to, to have uh, content uh, of all kinds, um, multimedia, indexable, uh, highly credible content. And that's what Google is going to respond to. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, li- I like to ask my guests, and this I think is a good time to ask it. Um, you know, I call wise content, you know, content that uh, that incorporates semantic science, behavioral science, artificial intelligence, and data to make marketing content that's smart and performs better. How do you react to that, and how would you modify that or improve that? I'm sorry, Joseph. Uh, how do I? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. And how would you modify that or improve upon that? Um, so I come at it from a, a writer producer's perspective. Mm -hmm. So what I love about this idea of wise content is it's the data underlying that content and the ability to um, use, you know, on-page SEO, uh, to, you know, really be data driven about what you uh, produce and to, uh, uh, but, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm a writer, so I want to get the story told. And they, they, I think the most important thing is that they have to work together. You know, a well-told story that's constructed poorly uh, isn't going to be seen by Google. And if you put, don't have, like you talk about behavioral aspects, right? Learning how to get your site have a better UX UI so people consume more content, having ways to share content. The data is that underlies all the content is so important, but so is the storytelling. Cool. Yeah. You know, I, 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 um, I I thought, you know, I guess in some ways I think that the definition implies that there's some story in there, but you're right. Story is one of the most important aspects of content. You know, uh, you have to trigger those emotional, um, those emotional reasons that people need to take action, right? And the story does that, not the, not the data, not the information. It's the, it's the story that resonates with them that uh, gets them to, um, to uh, take a, a good action. We do that a lot in the travel space. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk about the content culture and your, your, uh, your, your MO, your, uh, your, and the seven steps, right? The publisher's MO and the seven steps. So look forward to seeing, uh, talking about that next. <music> so 
So this is Joseph McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest, Keith Reynolds. So Keith, you have a book out, The Content Culture. I remember you were writing that for a while and now you got it out. How's it been going with that book? It's it's great. Uh, I highly recommend uh, trying out being an author for anyone who's never tried it. It's a life-changing experience and uh, it, it you know takes a discipline to get everything focused and on paper, but it also takes a village or a team to get a book published. So uh, it's, it's an adventure and I'd recommend it for anyone. Cool. So what's it about? So it's called the new content culture. Think like a publisher to grow your business. And it is about content marketing. And the fundamental thesis is that uh, the, the modern published model of a media company, you know, and media companies have changed as technology changes, but it's been advertising based subscription. Also, you know, subscription usually pays for the operational aspects of of distributing media, but the advertising is where the money's made. And uh, yet in the last 20 years, the publishing tools have uh, as the internet has spread in, in utilization, the publishing tools are in the hands of everybody, not just the publishers and the media companies. What was missing, and why I think there's a lot of confusion about pub- publishing content and content marketing, is uh, there's no ROI model. And what I think, if, if I get recognized for one thing one day, it's the insight in building the chief packaging officer program that you can stand up a magazine as a brand, an online media property as a brand, but what you need to measure it on is the, the lead generation. And so you really have to build the, the technology underpinning so that you can capture the value of your traffic. And, and then there's techniques of getting people to engage with that. But if you can draw a direct line between traffic to your website and sales that either come into your shopping cart or, or through your CRM and, and with your sales team, uh, if you build that uh, purposefully, purposefully, you will have an environment where you can really understand the, the dollar in on marketing and the dollars out on sales. And you can now start to budget for them instead of burdening everybody to create content, you know, in, in their work day, because you under, have a a planning model to work from and optimize, you can hire the people to do your writing. And good writers will pay for themselves many times over uh, compared to just having your staff or team uh, make content. Now, you want to bring as much as you can in-house and keep the costs uh, as low as possible. But if you're doing it purposefully with demand generation techniques and lead generation planning, um, you can think of your website and your blog, and I hate the word blog, that's why we love to come up with a brand name for your blog, like, like chief packaging officer or the hub or wise content, right? It, it allows you to do things like go to a trade show or get on a digital, uh, you know, networking event and don't say, Hey, can I have a sales call with you? But I'd like to write a story about you. I think what you're doing is really interesting. Which, I mean, which one do you think is going to get a better response? So mm-hmm. Publishers have a lot of leverage because they create media, and you can do that for your business too. Cool. So, is that um, is your ROI model the publisher's MO? Is that the, is that your content strategy uh, ROI model? Yeah. So I've co- so having led a lot of whiteboarding sessions, 
I got to the point where I've got seven buckets that I get executives and, and uh, entrepreneurs and, and marketing teams to focus on. You have to have a big idea. So wise content, that's the big idea, right? And that then drives the second bucket, the editorial strategy. And that's largely based on the data you gather in your keyword research. And then you build an editorial calendar. And with a calendar, you can now assign writers and you can budget for the content, whether it's video, audio, podcasts, written materials, webinars, all of those take resources to happen. So your, your editorial calendar also starts to build out your, your budget. You need to publish and distribute that content on the social media networks. You need to also have a community and events uh, strategy. Now this, I separated community and events out of publishing and promotion because of this dynamic where uh, you're going out and doing prospecting at these events, but you're also able to source content uh, at these events. You need to build your marketing, uh, your, you need to build this marketing program, this content program on top of marketing automation and your CRM and your shopping cart. So it's directly connected into the outcomes you're looking for. You have to train your sales team to use content, right? They, they did that. This doesn't come naturally. So, but uh, if you do sales enablement techniques and you train your salespeople that at this stage of the sales um, uh, engagement with a customer, this is the content that you can share and you make it easy for them to share it. They become tightly integrated into the content you publish. And that's where you get a lot of leverage. And then lastly, the last bucket is an ROI model. And you can go to my website. I think we'll talk about it a little later. You can download an ROI model that I've used you know, dozens of times to help executives see that uh, you know, content's not an expense. It's an investment. And you're expecting a return on it. So this whole uh, process really culminates in a ROI model, right? That's correct. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it's part of the ROI modeling methodology, I think. And it, incidentally, it also creates a branded content hub. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 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 It, it gets everybody to see the big picture and their little piece of it. And the, right. the executive, you know, if you can come and say, we're going to invest a dollar in content, but we're going to get $3 back. And we're using our own numbers to come up with that forecast. Mm-hmm. Executives will pay attention to that. So let me let me add, I love the I love the term you came up which is the north star idea how how would uh, an individual or a company generate a north star idea ah that's that's a great question and you know it's half science and half art um, the the market research that you have or that you do uh, that identifies uh, uh, customers likes and dislikes and their and and the things that they find um, inconvenient, uh, the SEO research that you do to identify what keywords are driving traffic in your industry, um, the survey of your competitors and the website and social media that they're using, all of that starts to create the map of the marketplace. And then you apply your creative energies to what name would really resonate in that marketplace, given all that information you've researched. And uh, so it, it may be, as we found in uh, the pro- one of the projects we worked on, the branding company had done all this research and, and in their materials, they had the word untapped. And we said, boom, there is the big idea. There's the North Star idea. Mm-hmm. Other times it comes when you're brainstorming around a table. 
you know, a conference room table or on a Zoom call. So, uh, but the idea is to come up with a name for your media uh, that's different than blog. And mm-hmm. that is, becomes a hook that people can start to get their brain around as they enter your world. Does it have to be sort of like a USP, a unique selling proposition? Sort of, it needs to be unique. It needs to have, uh, you know, uh, a promise. It needs to have a, a sell, right? That sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about uh, this chief packaging officer, packaging has a million employees throughout the United States, and the people who are involved in passioning in, in uh, packaging, they're passionate about it. You know, and yet they are measured on things like save a tenth of a penny off the cardboard. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very. And how do you get this cardboard to flow through a production process and come out the, you know, before you load it on a truck, it gets into a box and it's not going to break in transit. Those are the things that a packaging, you know, is it tends to be engineering focused, but it's creative. It's strategic. It's the last moment of truth in a consumer's hand. If, if your packaging has a mislabel, you can do a recall that drops your stock price by 19%. I, there's, I read long ago that that was the impact that a product recall can have uh, on, a, on corporate value. So uh, when we came, it wasn't me, but when we came up with the idea of chief packaging officer, these people really resonated with that and it caught their attention. And so they'd be willing to just give it a look. Mm-hmm. So if you're, um, uh, you have a lot of work with the, you know, big corporations, but you've also done some small business stuff. And even entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. I know that you, you've sort of covered the gamut for, um, for, and I imagine for a big corporation, you got to put together and manage a team of people involved with this. And so, uh, that has its own, um, you know, structural, you know, problems. But an individual, uh, what would it? Uh, how? What would you? What would you? If you said, said somebody said to you, Keith, you got to start a, you got to start a company, you got to market, you got to come up with a North Star idea, and you got to do it in two weeks, uh, and you, you don't have a lot of people to help you. What would you? What would you? What were the steps you would take? Uh, well, um, I buy my book. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you got to, you know, we don't do things in a vacuum. So you got to have a team, even if you're a solopreneur, right? You've got your advisory board, you've got people that, that you work with, you've got partners. Um, I, I tell people that content marketing can be a little ebook and, and MailChimp, right? And if you mm-hmm. go through the seven buckets and think through the that, uh, and you, you may come up with an idea and test it with your, your friends to get your North Star idea. Um, your editorial strategy could be you blog once a month and you've got an ebook that you're out distributing. Publishing and promotion is using social networks like LinkedIn. So knowing which network you're going to connect with most. So I'm a LinkedIn guy, right? I, I sell B2B um, and I publish on, on LinkedIn and I use that network pretty effectively to meet people. Um, your community and events, where, where are you going? What, what Slack channels do you join? What, uh, what associations are you participating in? So you can do all this at a very small scale, uh, as well as, as you said, when you have lots of people, you still have to do it. It just becomes more complex. And so in addition to the book, we have some worksheets that we work with clients on so that we organize all the information that the publishing team needs in order to execute. And then we have weekly meetings, right? Or bi-weekly meetings 
that we use to keep everything coordinated. And that's a, having a meeting protocol. So it, it's scale. It's a scalable idea. Right. So the individual should do meetings with themselves or with uh, the, the, you know, whatever people they can pull together, right, to participate yeah. in, in, in this adventure together. And I might add, you know, the, some of the things that you mentioned in the SEO space, you know, you can use, you know, there's free, there's a free keyword planner tool. There's various free tools to do keyword research. All those will generate lots of interesting terms that people talk about. Looking at Google Trends, right, is a, a way to pull information for uh, ideation. There's starting to be AI tools out there. And one of the things I'm developing is a, is a I got somebody working on it right now, developing all the, is a comprehensive list of content-related AI tools out there. Um, oh, I'm planning to have the, I want to have the definitive source for that. Um, but there's some interesting, already come, some interesting ones coming out that I'm seeing that uh, there's tickling my fancy and, uh, and ideas of what you can do. But some of them are ideation tools, right? And you're gonna. That's really interesting. You're pulling that together because I think when AI is mentioned, people shy away from it because they think you've got to be a data scientist. And but really, you know, when you are working in Google Docs and it types ahead a sentence for you, that's AI. Yeah. Right. So. We, we have a lot of tools. I'm sure you're going to find things that, you know, mere mortals can use and others that you really have to be a data scientist to use. And so being, you know, I, I would look forward to seeing your list. I will. I, it'll be up on the Wise Content Creates Wealth uh, site in the near future. Um, so we're going to take another break. We come back. We'll finish up a little more talking about your ROI model and your spreadsheet. And then, uh, and then, uh, and then some goodbyes and promotions and all that sort of stuff. All right. Talk to you soon. Hi, it's Joseph McElroy back with Wise Content Creates Wealth uh, podcast. And, and my guest, Keith Reynolds of uh, Publio. Um, so Keith, your book, uh, the, the New Content Culture and its uh, publisher M- MO, you, you end up with seven steps and the seventh one is your ROI model. And you have actually some tools that people can use to, on your site to download. Can you tell us what's, what, what are the, the components of that ROI model you do for content strategy? And then of course you'll tell us how to get it. Absolutely, yeah. So um, one of the key things to doing a project, um, especially when you're in a midsize, small, you know, larger, small company, a midsize company, or even, you know, where I've done a lot of work um, in in enterprise, um, it's building the ROI model uh, to give everyone an assurance that, uh, you know, as the guy that hired me into IBM used to say that that dog will hunt (laughs) and, uh, Right. And, and so ROI has uh, an input. What resources are we going to expend to generate results? And then what return do we expect? So on my website, you can download a Google Doc. Um, you'll get a landing page. You fill it out. That'll refer you to a thank you page. And when you download that spreadsheet, uh, it'll have you uh, basically create a copy and put it onto your G Drive. Um, and you'll have a, a, a clean spreadsheet. The first tab is your budget. 
and the left column of the budget are the things that it takes to build a content hub, uh, whether it be um, you know having an an agency or a, a firm like Galileo uh, uh, create the articles, or your videographer your videographer to create the videos. Uh, maybe it's uh, you're going to do a, a podcast or a webinar series. Well, you've got to allocate uh, if you're going to use your head of marketing or head of sales to be the host, then you've got to allocate some time, right? And then there's the producer role and somebody's got to line up the speakers. This stuff doesn't happen for free. So the first tab are where are we going to spend our money to make this happen? And we, we use our strategic planning process to come up with the tactics. And then the tactics go uh, in the left column of, of the budget. Across the top of the budget are the months. And so now we're going to look at how much do we spend over time to, on our budget. And at the end of a year, we've got a, a, you know, a fully loaded budget. And, um, and so great. Now we're going to management and saying, I got to spend the money. The second tab is the so what, right? The second tab, we map out what are all the sources of your leads and how much incremental revenue do we think we can get? And, and what is the funnel? for that. So uh, the two examples that are on uh, tab two of the ROI model are uh, our content hub and a webinar series. And so we estimate how many leads we're going to, how many marketing qualified leads we're going to generate. We look at our historical and say, how many marketing leads convert to sales qualified leads? How many sales qualified leads become an opportunity that we write a proposal for? And then how many proposals close? And that waterfall is, is embodied in tab two of the spreadsheet. And now we, you know, so it's a template. So you can add your own sources of leads. The interesting thing is when I've used it with a lot of executives, um, it, they realize they don't have enough leads at the top of the funnel to ever succeed. So it really is kind of a, a oh my, <laughs> kind of an experience of, wow, we need to generate more leads. Uh, the second thing that it pretty quickly identifies is if, you know, you have a, a product that costs $20,000 a year or, or $60,000 a year. It doesn't take too many sales in a content program to pay for itself, right? And as a marketer, you know, a general rule of thumb is if I spend a dollar, I want to get three, at least $3 back. And so this planning tool allows you to take the expenses on tab one and the, the waterfall of traffic to leads to proposals to sales on, on page two. And now you come up with a, what I call the E to R uh, ratio, and that's expense to revenue. And if that is below 0.33, you've got something strategically worth evaluating and going to management with and trying to get funded. Cool, cool. And so what is the, uh, you want to tell them the website where that's located? You can get that at Publio, which is P-U-B-L-I dot I-O. And you'll see it right up top. It says ROI calculator. And where can you get your book? And you can get uh, the new content culture on Amazon. Uh, and if you can also just Google, I found it very effective. Google the new content culture, Keith Reynolds, and it'll take you right to it on Amazon. <laughs> so we have, I, I, you have two minutes more, and I know you're doing some good stuff with nonprofits in the city of Stanford. Do you want to give a shout out about what you're doing there? Yeah. Uh, yes, you know, um, I'm a big believer in giving back. And uh, when you give, you get. And uh, 
So I, as you know, I think when we met, I was doing a lot with the uh, AMA. And about three years ago, I, I had the opportunity to get involved with Stanford Innovation Week. And it's, you know, there's other festivals like it. The, the big one is uh, South by Southwest. But uh, Stanford, Connecticut has a very unique environment. You know, we have lots of corporate headquarters. Uh, we used to be a bedroom community to New York City. But about 10 years ago, it flipped and it's now a net inbound uh, 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 commuting uh, city. And we have a lot of data science, a lot of insure tech, fintech, lots of um, hedge funds and private equity up here. And yet it's, it still has a brand of a, of a sleepy little community, right? A bedroom community. And so uh, we, we found that there was a huge demand. We have corporations and uh, sponsors. Uh, we have community involvement. The states, you know, help support this. Just a huge demand to have a festival here. And so it's uniquely our own, but it's, uh, you know, arts and technology and food and uh, entertainment. And in the age of COVID, we did this year is all online. And uh, we have the Stanford Town Center Mall, and we had a drive-through exhibit. It was four floors of drive-through, kind of like a fun house. And that, you know, we were in the depths of COVID in in September when we put on the event. So it's really a way to just get everybody mixed up and involved. And you know, areas are now I think realizing that promoting uh, and and selling a city to corporations and giving away tax breaks is not as effective as creating a, a, a area that people want to live that are, you know, has a great lifestyle. And if you can recruit employees to a place, you become attractive, attractive to the employers and you can attract businesses into an area. So we've really done it. You know, it's a big idea. Uh, we've and really grown it. I think the last, before COVID, we had 5,000 people engaged and I think it dropped to around 1,500, 2,000 during COVID, but, you know, a good platform to build on. And we're already starting to work on. And how do people 20, get to that? Is there that would be SIWeek, SIWeek.org. And right. if you're, the last thing I'll say is I just joined the, the, out of that experience, I just joined the board of the Stanford Symphony, which has gone all digital, you know? So imagine, uh, you know, taking an organization that used to put the 1500 people, 2000 people in a theater that's, that's to great. go. All so, so I appreciate that. So thank you for coming on board, man, and, uh, and being part of this podcast. And I look forward thank to we'll you. some work together. And, and talking yeah. about network, uh, Galileo, I want to mention, is my company. And we do all the tactical services that, uh, around the Content Hub, from doing the SEO to uh, creating the content. We have a large network of highly skilled writers but we do things in such volume that we get great prices for even the smallest company and to the largest. We've done 40,000 pieces of content one last, the year before last for one company. And we, another company did two pieces of content in the year. But we're able to scale in that development. But we do all do it with a very smart, uh, wise approach. We imbue all our content with wisdom from data, behavioral science, uh, um, you know, uh, semantics, uh, schema, you know, all the things that make it perform better. Um, and you can go to our website, yeah, galileotechmedia.com, galileotechmedia.com uh, to find out more about us. Um, this, this podcast is ha- having a website built right now called 
wisecontentcreateswealth.com. It will have things like uh, a comprehensive list of tools and resources that will make content wiser uh, using AI and data. So we're, we're, we're building that. And of course, it'll tell you all about these, show, these shows. We are part of uh, Talk Radio New, New York NYC uh, network. And if you go to talkradio.nyc, you can see there's a lot of great shows, especially on Friday, um, uh, along with this show oriented towards business. I recommend you go to that site and you know, then you stick around on the talkradio.nyc where we also stream live if you're not listening on our Facebook. Uh, originally, that's where it is streaming live. And you can hear some other great shows. And I recommend um, that you go there because uh, I, I've listened to some of those shows. The one right before which is particularly good, I think. Um, and uh, find out about us. We um, are also on Facebook, as I mentioned before, facebook.com slash wise content creates wealth, where, we, where this show is also streamed live. And then a copy is kept around there for you to go look at. Um, the talk radio site it, um, also has a transcript of the show that you can go get uh, if you want to. Um, and uh, we also are doing Twitter and, and, uh, and, and uh, TikTok and all those other things. So thank you, everybody, for sh- showing up. Next week, we'll have another great show. Um, I'm looking forward to introducing you to, um, uh, to let's see who the guest uh, Sorry, just drew a, drew a uh, next week is going to be jo- Joey Kilrain, a longtime friend of mine who is a UX expert uh, and uh, designer on really uh, intelligent ways to interact with your clients and make your content work better. Uh, so talk to you then next week. Same time, same bat channel. Uh, there, I just showed my age. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>